1: What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another special episode of 21 Questions. This one we are making public for everyone. We appreciate all of our subscribers at KCSN for submitting these questions to us as we get ready for the Chiefs and Bills in the AFC Divisional Round at Arrowhead Stadium, 5.30 Central Time. Chiefs have won five consecutive playoff games at Arrowhead, tying for the 11th longest home playoff winning streak in NFL history. It's also the current longest streak in the NFL right now, which is pretty cool. But guys, let's get to these questions. And joining me this week will be Tucker Franklin and Mr. Jeff Allen. Jeff, how goes it? I, I need, before we get into these questions, Jeff, I want to ask you one question. And that is, as a former player, do you get as annoyed as Chiefs fans? And and I, I put myself in this boat. I, I like to not be in this boat. But when you have national media panels all picking the bills It just seems kind of disrespectful and I know they're doing it for engagement. I just, I swear to you, I think they're doing it intentionally because we are an easy target and we will always give you that engagement if you talk bad about us. But does that, does that resonate with you now and did it when you were a player? Is that different?
2: No, now then will always resonate with me just because it's it's an, it is annoying, but it's also (laughs) from, I would rather it be that way as a player because it gives (laughs) me that chip. I like the underdog mentality. Um, it just gives you something to be fired up about. If, if the media is always picking you, of course you, you're your competitor. You want to win. Um, that chip isn't the same. So keep picking against the Chiefs. I think it, it's it's an advantage. Yeah.
1: Tucker does it bother you?
2: Um. Yeah, I think so. It's just one of those
3: things where it's like y'all really forgot. Like y'all <laughs> forgot how good the Chiefs were. And and you see all these uh, these analysts picking the Bills, and you're like, man, you guys really think Josh Allen's better than Patrick Mahomes? But
1: yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting. And in the, you know, I think Bobby Stroop said it best where he's like, Josh Allen's a great quarterback and Patrick's my guy. And yeah. granted, Bobby yeah. gets to say that because that's his guy. But I think we all kind of feel that way that I want to say anything bad about Josh Allen, just because someone says he's the best quarterback. Like, that's awesome. It's your opinion. I don't think that's true, but he's a phenomenal player. It's not like everybody else is terrible and uh, yeah. everything's not everything. All right, let's get into these questions, guys. And this first one, uh, Jeff, let's go with you. And this is from Rugby Fox. Who has a bigger chip on their shoulder for this Bills rematch, the Chiefs' offense or the Chiefs' defense? And I'm assuming that's coming off that week 5, 38-20 loss where Josh Allen had 315 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns, and we saw the offense struggle at different times. A couple of the, the crazy bounces didn't go their way. Yeah, but
2: I'm definitely going to say the Chiefs' defense. I mean, that was – that was one of those ones that was embarrassing that you don't want to watch the film on Monday. <laughs> we got dominating yeah. all in all phases of the game, but defensively in particular, Josh Allen looked like Superman. I mean he had yeah. he running the ball well, you know, could do anything at any time. So defense for sure.
1: Been saying this for a long time, but I don't want to describe the Chiefs defense as pre-Melvin Ingram and post-Melvin <laughs> Ingram, but that was definitely pre-Melvin Ingram, yeah. and this is a whole different deal uh, with what the Chiefs offense has right now. So, Tuck, I'll give you a chance just because that's a, that's a pretty big, loaded question. What do you think?
3: I, I think it's the offense. The offense didn't really perform to the standard that they wanted to be. It was like, what? 38 to 20, I think was the score Mm -hmm. of that game. It's like only scoring 20 points in the Patrick Wilhelms era is considered underperforming, um, which is, is kind of funny to think about. So I think that the offense kind of wants to come out there and show, Hey, we're not, we're not dead. Like we aren't this this bad team that everybody thinks that we are. And compared to the Bills, so I think that it's kind of one of those games where I do think both sides of the ball do have a chip on their shoulder. Allowing thirty eight yeah. points is is not great, but I think the offense is definitely going to going to want to go out there and prove that they can score on this Bills defense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the Chiefs defense just because this is the infamous game where Tyron had the hands up and Sorensen uh, had the blown coverage. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with the defense just because those guys uh, tend to get fired up and then they get started uh, around this time with some of the comments being made publicly by fans and then the back yeah, and forth. this is
2: when a Twitter war started, you know.
1: This is-, <laughs> this is right around that time, and they were right. <laughs> like we said it then, like they're very fiercely protective and Tyron Matthew fiercely protective of – of what that dynamic is like inside that locker room. You can't question that uh, based on what we've seen. So let's move on to the next question. This is from, uh, let's see here, uh, Adam Harney. Would you prefer Spags to send a lot of pressure, looks at Josh Allen to make him use his legs more, or would you drop in a shell coverage and make him move methodically down the field? I'm going to jump with this one real quick because my answer is always the same. I love Spags' aggressiveness. I love sending the house Um, Unless you're facing like a Patrick Mahomes that just the numbers tell you just absolutely do not make it easy on him. Uh, Anytime as a young quarterback, especially a guy that um, at different times it wouldn't be considered the most accurate quarterback in the world um, or his feet aren't always set or all those kind of things that dictate it. Dictate what the offense is going to do. Don't just sit back and and let him do his thing. So I'm always in the send extra pressure, which is why I like Spags. He doesn't sit back a lot. He gets after it. Jeff, what do you think?
2: I would say... Go look at the Tennessee game when Buffalo played Tennessee. They mixed it up pretty well, and what they really mm-hmm. did really well was they made Josh flush to the left. For some mm-hmm. reason, he's really inaccurate when he's, he's rolling out to the left and he's, he's mm-hmm. flushing out the pocket that way. Um, that's probably his biggest weakness if he has one. Um, so I would say lean toward, you know, when you do bring pressure, make sure he's flushing out left.
1: Yeah. Think- Most quarterbacks probably not as good running the left. It's Patrick Mahomes who does those crazy (laughs) those crazy jumps that him and Bobby work on. And you know they practice that stuff. But Tucker, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. It's going to be kind of situational. I think Craig made a really good point on on the KC lab of bringing early pressure and then kind of laid down sitting back and kind of making him uh, have to think about coverages and stuff like that. You know, Spax is really good at disguising things like that. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be slot drop cover two, And he's going to move guys all around. He'll drop. Maybe Derek Naughty. I don't know. Uh, He'll do something to kind of throw (laughs) off Josh Allen here. Um, So I'm really excited to see this this chess match really between Spags and, and Josh Allen.
1: I'm a big fan of those amoeba fronts. I don't know how easy they are to block, Jeff. It's just one of those things like fans like, but I want Melvin Ingram just walking around. You have no idea where he's coming from. No,
2: that's really easy to block, actually, like this. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> all right. Fair enough. Just think, you think it would be tricky, though. So. That's yeah. why we have former guys on here. All right. Right. Jeff, here's, a, here's one directly for you. Uh, top three. is from Grayson Jaspers, um, friend of KCSN. What are your top three cookies of all time?
2: All time. This is gonna throw a lot of people off. So, for me, my, okay. my wife's banana pudding cookie, of course. But yeah. outside of that, I'm that's gonna good. go oatmeal raisin, a little OG action. That might. I'm gonna go oatmeal raisin and then chocolate chip. I saw like there was okay. a whole argument and and people didn't like that take, but that's my take. I go oatmeal raisin over chocolate chip.
1: I got torched for the oatmeal raisin. There are a lot. There's an anti oatmeal raisin like. <laughs> twitter <laughs> group out there and they just it's like they search out oatmeal raisin on twitter and come after you
3: yeah yeah i'm a very big oatmeal raisin stan as well yep. uh when i go out to i think good has the huge you know the good has like the huge cookies that you can yeah. get um mm-hmm. and I they've got an oatmeal raisin one of there. that's that's just that's really good and you can't you really can't go wrong it's just a classic yes
1: yeah, and and the first cookie society cookie i ever had uh is still my favorite that's the red velvet that Ooh. thing is oh. It's amazing
2: oh, wait until february there's some some heat coming there decide. we go there we go
1: i like the sound of that all right mike in sweden is anybody worried because i damn sure am uh yeah i, I mean worried no, i don't know it's the division it's not like you're losing a. it's not like you're fumbling a chance to get into the playoffs i mean this is these are the best teams that are left and this is probably what you expected at this point. Um we joked about is this the AFC title game on Outside the Trenches earlier this week and uh you know Tucker had the plug. If you're looking for a lot of the Xs and Os and the breakdowns and the matchups to watch, there's a lot of shows on this network. Uh go back listen to the KC Lab, listen to One on One, Outside the Trenches, we get a little weird <laughs> at times, <laughs> but uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff. I'm not necessarily worried cuz you got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Andy Reid, you know, they're going to be prepared, you know, they're going to go out and do what they got to do as long as you don't, you don't have those weird Greg Rousseau you know, lifting his left hand up and intercepting a pass in the goal line and all the weird things uh, that went in that Bills game. You go back and watch. Uh, Nick Jacobs put it out on Twitter. Uh, he had like the Five or ten like impactful plays in that 38-20 loss back in week five. There were a lot of weird plays that happened where the Chiefs were starting to get back into that game and then something Mm -hmm. weird would happen. You think they're completely out of it. The ball went through Tyreek's hands into Micah Hyde. He returns it. You think the game's over. Next thing though, they drive all the way down. And then it was the Greg Rousseau interception. And they still have a chance late in the game to go down. And there was a couple of I think it was a penalty um that made a huge difference. But uh Jeff, are you worried about this game?
2: I'm not concerned. Like just like you said, we have Andy Reid, we have Patrick Mahomes. But I, wh- where I think we have the advantage is maybe Buffalo still riding high on that week five win. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows what type of team, what type of mentality you have. Um when you don't I mean win the big one and you're not used to winning, um, you can kinda, you know, get complacent and and probably hold on to that one thinking that it's gonna be the same. So I like us. I think it's gonna be an excellent game. It's gonna be a great matchup. Two good teams, two great quarterbacks. Um, but I'm not worried about it.
3: No, I'm not worried either. It's a pat. It's it's the the conditions are right. You know, like uh, like tornado warnings or like tornado watches. It's like the conditions are right for a Patrick Mahomes just over my dead body game. Yep. Um, it just yep. feels like that's coming, and I just can't wait for that to happen on Sunday.
1: And that's where I love all of the stuff that people are saying. Like I absolutely just feed it, just inject it into my veins and inject it straight into Mahomes like Twitter account and just get no. it all to him so they can see it. And he's got Patrick, enough people around him.
2: Patrick reads Twitter, he reads the media. I, I know he does. There's no <laughs> way he doesn't. You remember that Bears game where he you know put up 10 or whatever it was? Yeah, when, yeah. Yep. He's, he knows yeah. that stuff
1: they're very aware all right next one bones jackson uh and this is mike's not going to get a chance uh mike devito will get a chance to answer this one but uh were you and mike friendly during your playing career uh seems like you guys have good chemistry between you guys did you guys ever get into it one of those training camp like o-line d-line everybody's angry and pushing
2: no man mike's a gentle (laughs) giant he's like the nicest guy on earth like he like put you on your back and then help you up. But, hey, good job, buddy. And smile. And that's just him. And, and he's really a good dude. He's one of those guys. Um, he's older than me. So he's one of the guys that, you know, had a family and wife. And when I was coming up, I had my girlfriend and my fiance and I would ask him questions about just life, and Bible studies and just how to be a better man. And he, he was one of those guys to look up to. So. Great your team.
1: girlfriend and your fiance was the same person. Just, yeah, just in, yeah. Case, yeah, yeah, just in yeah. case anybody was listening, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. "I had my girlfriend, yeah. I had my fiance." No, 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 no. And me, this me, veteran was telling me how me, to handle me, all of it. Let, <laughs> let me clear that up. She
2: was my girlfriend, then she became my fiance, then became my wife. These are three different people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I bro. had to. That was, <laughs> Thanks that for clearing that up, BJ. That would have no problem. Very, like,
1: yeah. Hey, you never, you never know. Yeah. So yeah, I and Jeff, you. Every once in a while, whenever there was a dust-up in OTAs or guys were pushing and screaming, I'm not going to say that there weren't a lot of times I was like, Jeff's probably in the middle of that somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely, <laughs> like was, Jeff's I in definitely
2: that. started a lot of stuff. But Mike was so nice that you can't start anything with Mike. He was a good dude, man.
1: Yeah. And I will say, and I've told this story before and go off, off topic. There was one day and I think it was the day that I decided like Jeff Allen is one of the nicest players that I've ever worked with. It was an OTA day is about 115 degrees outside. And I had this really important like video in the, at the time it was like, I've got to do this video. Like it's my responsibility. I got to get this and I have to get an interview with a player. And you walked by me. I was like, hey, Jeff, can I ask you a couple of questions? And you look on your face like you were so <laughs> tired. You're just dripping with sweat. And as soon as you turn around and looked at me, I was like, never mind. Like, I'm sorry for even asking. You're like, just give me a second. I'm going to go put a dry shirt on because you're just <laughs> dripping. And I was like, oh, he's too He's too nice for this. All right, let's go. Next question. Tucker, will go with you. Um, this is from Captain Denny. Um, what are the challenges that you think the Chiefs defense will have going up against – Obviously, the mobile quarterback and Josh Allen—it's been the storyline all week. What are your thoughts on how the Chiefs might be able to try to s- slow him down, or at least uh, mitigate that that part of their offense?
3: Yeah, I think that's tough because if you if you do send pressure, if you send you know six seven guys and you don't get home, that leaves a lot of running room for Josh Allen, and he's proven that he can he can run and run effectively, and he runs hard too. He's out here hurdling DB. so if you leave a DB back to tackle him. It's going to be it's going to be a tough task to try to take him down. So I think you've got to really uh, I think I mentioned this on Outside the Trenches and we made fun of me for saying what we have to do is, you know, uh, get pressure and get turnovers. But that's essentially what you have to do (laughs) is you have to get pressure with four. You have to get with your front four. They have to get after him and they have to get home so you can leave those guys and those linebackers to to clean up the mess and you can have maybe a spy. I don't I'm not a huge fan of spies for some reason. I don't know why I don't I'm not I'm not, not a big fan of them, um, but I'd rather have more guys in the secondary making it harder for Josh Allen to read that secondary to read those routes and everything. So he has to t- hold the ball for longer to get those Melvin Ingrams, those Frank Clark, those Chris Joneses to get home and get after him. And I think that's really what it's going to boil down to is can the front four get pressure and get home? And I think getting home is going to be the biggest <clears> part of that.
2: I agree. That was that's a great take, Tuck. And, and having, having, yeah, seriously, but having having Chris back, you don't need a spy. He's gonna push mm-hmm. the middle of the pocket. Yeah. Um, those DNs are gonna do a good job of keeping him in the pocket, containing. And Ingram, speaking of him, him being here now, he dominated that game against Buffalo when he's with the Steelers. Like I'm absolutely yeah, no. destroyed the left tackle. He was a good player, so I, I like the matchups.
1: One of my one of my, right. all-time, yeah. Pop, one of my all time yeah one of my all time favorite all-time. players. One of my all-time favorite players in my six years covering the Chiefs. I don't want to play well on Sunday. It hurts my heart to say that, but I'm sorry, Mitch. Yeah, like I, we mm-hmm. need we need some pressure. We need you know, Chris to do his thing. All right, right yeah, let's Mitch go going
2: sacrifice you this game. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: uh, this one, Jeff's for you. Did you ever throw around a likely defensive player of the year? winner, like T.J. Watt, like we saw from Nick Allegretti on that touchdown catch
2: last I week? I got J.J. Watt pretty damn good when I was with the Chiefs. Like, I got him pretty good. It was me and um, it was a double team, you know, so it wasn't just me, but we ragged out of him, knocked his helmet off, and he was pretty pissed about it. And we had some conversations about when we became teammates, so that was pretty yeah. cool.
1: He remembered. Like,
2: yeah. He remembered, man. Like, I knocked <laughs> his helmet off. Good. He was like, you're just mad because you're, be- you're not better than me. Well, I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not, but
1: <laughs> I, got, I you this this time?
2: Time? I've got you this time. I'm the time. one standing right now, buddy. So, all
1: right. uh Next question from Cypher Do you think playoff performance will make or break time in KC for Robinson, Hardman, Pringle? Why or why not? Uh, I don't think it could hurt. I know that, you know, they go out and they play really well. It's going to be the first thing the agent brings up in some sort of negotiation, but I don't know how much that's going to determine. Uh, whatever those fates are right now. And I can pretend to know what those are um, with guys who could be, you know, looking elsewhere to get bigger paydays and other places. Um, but you need somebody else outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill to step up. And we saw both those guys go for over hundred yards against this bills team last year in the AFC title game. We know Patrick Holmes is going to come out and play well uh, to some level, but um, I don't think it's going to make or break their time unless they go out and we see a bunch of fumbles and something that just, it's not the way you want to to have you know that last sour note going into free agency for a couple of these guys
2: I will add to that question I know they didn't mention but McKinnon I would say this this yeah. is bigger for him than anyone on the roster just because the small sample size that we got during the year and now he's getting an opportunity I mean the other guys they have a whole year and a resume to show so whatever they do now would be just a little bit but him this is a fresh start for him so they'll be big for him
1: all right, we got another play. i gonna get another chance to talk about it, Jeff. But KC from KC, please, Jeff, discuss what all of us will remember as the Allegretti play from both sides of the ball. Like all what right. just what, take us through your what what was going through your mind when you saw that play?
2: I was hype, hype as hell. Like I was really excited. I'm jumping up and down. My wife is like, What's going on? I'm like, big guy touchdown, fat boy joy. <laughs> dream come true like we're ready like this is the moment you wait for and I, I was actually in that position when i was there my final season it's a heavy tight end and I, i've run that play you know i'm running in live action i've running in practice and i never fucking got the ball patrick <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, hip,
1: was hip checking or hip tossing the guy no, that was a little, part right of now, the play no
2: man i was just a little ad lib by him i loved it that was a great <laughs> that's job awesome he did what he had to do to get open but he actually didn't run the route correctly. He's supposed Ooh. Ooh. to get in the end zone and kind of drift down the line. But yeah. it was good instincts by him by standing in the soft spot and giving Patrick, an, you know, an area to throw. So credit yeah. to he him. He felt the not, leverage. Not, not doing the right way and making the football decision. He's a football player, hell of a guy, and I loved it.
1: Tucker, I'm going to ask you the same question. You played offensive line. Yeah. Like, just what was going through your mind?
3: So as, as an offensive line coach this year, I tried to put in a goal line play like that as like a, a, a heavy offensive line. We, we just didn't like trust our kids to, you know, check in um, and report as eligible. So that's when we were like, OK, kind of got to kind of got to scrap that one. Uh, but no, I think that that's that's perfect. And I love that Patrick said that he was like the fourth read on that play. Yeah. And that Patrick ran through his mm-hmm. progression and was like, okay, Allegretti, here you go. Just gave him the ball. And that he just – how Patrick had the trust to, to throw the ball to an offensive lineman in the end zone, really in the middle of the defense. Because he – I mean, there's some guys around him. There was – it was – wasn't as crowded as other areas, but, I mean, it, it still is, it was a high-pressure high situation for him to get in the end zone there. So, man, Jeff, I think you nailed it when you said, like, that's just what you love to see as a guy who was an offensive lineman, coaches offensive line. You love to see offensive linemen get in the end zone and score, and the celebrations are always the best part. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: I love the reaction from T.J. Watt when he just looked back. He's like, "What the hell just happened? Like, what was that about?" <laughs> he just kind of turned around and looked. All right, next question is Jeff. This one will be for you as well. How is preparation for a playoff game different than a regular season game? How is how does the week change?
2: It's no different. It's the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess from from a schematic standpoint, the coaching standpoint, they do they treat it just like a regular week. From a player standpoint, I mean, you're doing everything in your power to make sure you're not going home after that game. I mean, you're putting in those mm-hmm. extra hours. You're taking care of your body a lot more. Um, it's just, I mean, it's natural. It's later in the year. So you're hurting a little bit more what you're doing. You're, there's no stone unturned and that's yeah. how we go about it.
1: What was the process for you guys with like the advanced scouts for like playoff games when they would come in and kind of work with you guys or were they work directly with the coaches and then they would work with you guys early in the week? Just what did that process look like? Because, and for anyone listening, there are, scouts and some of the personnel guys or assistant coaches whoever's in charge of that Jeff you would speak to that if you knew who it was at that time but yeah. all those guys behind this the the Ryan poles of the world I don't know yeah. if it's Ryan's response those guys that you hear about now getting these GM jobs but you never know what they do like when they're here um, but watching the opponents that you might be playing and yeah, they providing do, they scouting reports.
2: They do an excellent job so every week they have a write up you know in your game plan for every individual player their weaknesses mm-hmm. their strengths wow. you know what they see in them and on top of that, they don't co- directly communicate with us as players, but they communicate with the coaches. So for us, Corey was the assistant line coach. Hmm. He would, on, on, on Tuesday mornings, we come in before meetings, and he'd run through that write-up, and he'd go through individually, look at some film and see what guys are doing. I mean, I'm talking breaking down tendencies, analytics involved, hmm. what this guy does on the right versus left. You know, he's going to literally, like – the probability of him doing the inside move into the boundary on third and four is 2%. Like crazy stuff like that. and yeah. A lot of preparation goes into it. And guys, you may not know it as a player, but our games are are based off of patterns, especially pass rushers. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get it. They, they get the analytics. They, they kind of give you a tell what guys are going to do. You go into the game with confidence. And, yeah. and it's great.
1: I think people would be really surprised. And uh, D Ford showed me um, when he was there, and then Frank showed me his booklet that he would work on, and his his agency would help him with some of the scouting reports too. And I know he tweeted out some of the stuff last year, but I think fans would be really surprised how much information players actually have as to like the stats and the the analytics and how they set up their moves and how the first like three quarters they're just setting up the fourth quarter how they want to attack an offensive lineman. Shout out to to Matty Weather
2: too. You know he gave me advanced scouting reports like the first five years i was in the league and then you know he got a lot busier so he didn't have time to do it anymore but you know he helped out a lot with that
1: that's really really cool that's the whole side of this that isn't talked about enough that always fascinated me that just trying to bring fans to understand when you say things like they're not prepared they why did he do that like there's so much information as to why they're doing certain things that just there's We'll never understand all the information that they have. All right. Yep. Next question. This one's from Jake Khan. The uh, running back situation. Tucker, we'll go with you. What happens with a fully healthy Clyde edwards uh, and Jet McKinnon? And we don't necessarily know about Darrell Williams' status. He's questionable going into this yep. game as the time that we record this podcast. Uh, does it hurt or help us to have all three of those guys, just what are the pros and cons going into this game Sunday night?
3: No, I think it does definitely benefit you. I think those are three, like, different – Totally, I don't want to say totally different styles. I don't think they're they're that contrasting, but they are different styles of running back. Um, Clyde being healthy, I think, is really big, and it's already confirmed. I think James Palmer tweeted out that Clyde is going to start, um, and I think we'll get a heavy dose of, of Jarek McKinnon because Jarek McKinnon has put on this last these last few games. He's he's trying to get himself paid, and, huh. and I really like to to see what he's been able to do in in the passing game and being able to catch these these screens, those shoot routes that Daryl was really doing. And, and I think what's what's really encouraging is Matt Castle broke down this play with, with Matt Lane this week is um, on, on the sluggo in the red zone that uh, Pat Mahomes hit Byron Pringle on. Jarek McKinnon was wide open on the other side of the field on a little quick motion out there. And he could have got into the end zone too. So I think that just having that other threat, and I know we talk about Daryl Williams being that second threat or that third threat really all the time. He's like, Oh, he's the third best receiver on the team, Darrell Williams. But Jarek McKinnon has really shown that he can he can cause some problems in the open space. He's laying the shoulder, trucking these, trucking these DBs, getting into the end zone. So I, I'm really excited to see kind of what the variety can be. And I don't think they try to push Daryl too hard. Just because a toe injury is tough for a running back. Mm-hmm. Toe injury is tough for anybody, but a guy yeah. who especially relies on on cuts and everything like that. So, seeing the, I'm really excited to see Jarek and, and Clyde together because we haven't really seen that combination yet, right? We've only seen Daryl and Jarek Jerick or Jarek Jerick and, and Derek Gore. And, and this combination of these two running backs, I think, is really exciting for me.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate.
1: Jeff, what do you think?
2: I agree. I think it's exciting. It doesn't hurt to have that much talent in the backfield. Like, it only helps yeah. for sure. I think in a in a sort, they all fit this offense in, in different ways. And they all do, do their part and they do well with it, with their roles. But, however, I think McKinnon is the best of the three as far as fitting this offense. Like, he really reminds me of, like, I'm not saying he's Jamal Charles, but, like, the yeah. ability to call some of those plays and some of the action and the way he sets up blocks and how smooth he runs. And you can see it even in the screen game. I mean, just his natural ability to set up blockers and get vertical and make guys miss um, those other guys. They they may have the ability to do it, but I haven't seen them set it up like that yet.
1: It's the screen game that for me, especially going into this game, going up against a Buffalo team that I think I saw only blitz like nine times in the last 144 plays that they try to get pressure with their front four. They try to drop guys. Mm -hmm. You run the screen game, Mm -hmm. and we talked about it, and we haven't seen it in the two years with Clyde yet. Uh, but maybe it's jet McKinnon because Andy Reed is so good at scheming those guys to get a little bit of space, get the right angles. And he's got the ability to get a chunk play, which is what you want from that side of the football or excuse me, that, um, that part of the game. So, all right, next question from will Yoder. Uh, This one's for me. Having been in the locker room, when you see this offense stall out, what do you see as the issue? Most often execution, play calling or something the defense is doing. Um, it's the answer. Everybody wants an answer when something isn't going well. And I have a very cliche answer and that it's a choreographed dance with 11 of the best athletes in the world, all trying to go different directions and do different things. Uh, I liken it to like when Steph Curry misses a three pointer and everybody wants to stop and spend a week breaking down why he missed that three pointer is like, sometimes <laughs> it's execution. Like sometimes you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey don't complete a pass because they just aren't on the same page as far as where the defensive player was, where the leverage was. He thought he was going to turn. He thought he was going to go inside, outside. It's just a matter of being on the same page and sometimes they're off. So when it's not working, It's just simple execution to me. It's not this huge thing. It's just the play didn't work. Just like you missed the three-pointer, get back and do it again. If you do it often enough, they're going to figure it out because they have that much talent. And because, Jeff, to your point, they spend so much time working on the details of these little things that it's just a matter of you're going to run 55 plays. Five or six of them might be bad execution and everybody gets frustrated about them. But the other 40 are going to be done really, really well because they focus on the details and they have more talent than everyone else. Facts. So sorry that's my my boring answer tucker you got you got anything to ask all right anything to add
3: not really i mean i don't really have the experience that you you two guys have with the nfl offense but i just i mean just offenses and just football in particular is just such a such a team game and and really depends on you know both sides right like you can come you can come I had this happen this year, when I was coaching high school football. You can prepare for for a defense, right? They they will show on film that they do a defense, and then they come out in something completely different, and then you've got to adjust to that. And it's a lot of adjustments and And I know you get more information as the year goes on, but I think it's it it's a lot harder than people think when it comes to just like execution, and that's a that's a huge part of the game. But like the executions might be the hardest part.
1: Wasn't that a Bill Belichick thing where, was it us or somebody else a few years ago, Jeff Maben, when you were playing, we went and faced them and all of a sudden they went like four down, like they played a 4-3, they had not played like a 4-3 uh, all year. It was, um, like, it
2: was a playoff game. So
1: yeah, like we, we went and played, all of a sudden they did something they had not done the entire season.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember that, I think that was 2015. We went up there, mm-hmm. we were preparing for 3-4. Um, they played a little bit of 4-3 and then they didn't bring any pressure at all. It was like, yeah. <laughs> we did not expect any of that. So sometimes well, that, stuff just happens and you got to adjust yeah. probably midway through the game. And try yeah. to make I work. think
1: it was at the game where every- the storyline afterwards is it took him like seven minutes to score because Alex was going down the field and yeah. it's like everybody was hurt. Like that <laughs> was a game that Macklin tried to play through it. And by the end of the game, it was like Kelsey on his last leg, <laughs> getting like triple team. Yep. Um, anyway, All right, let's move to the next one. Uh, this one's from rugby Fox. Uh, Tucker will go with you. Uh, how does an early regular season loss impact your mindset in the playoff rematch? Does it get, do, does it get you extra? This question was for Mike DeVito, uh, but does it give you extra fired up knowing that we lost to the team uh, back there in week five, Tucker?
3: I think so. I, I think it gives you a little bit of extra motivation. These two teams are completely different. I think we've emphasized that enough this week um, through a it on this network, but man, I know if you you lost this team, especially you beat this team in the AFC Championship, right? They beat you in the regular season. The regular season is just kind of like, okay um it doesn't really mean a whole lot especially week five these teams are still trying to find their identities but I mean yeah if you're a competitor you don't like to lose and I think that that's going to be the kind of the biggest thing is yeah, this team got you once and the Chiefs have lost to every other team in the AFC in this <laughs> left in in this bracket so it's going to be kind of the uh, the the Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs redemption tour I guess you could say so I think that these guys are competitors and they're going to have a chip on their shoulder
1: all right uh jeff i'm gonna give you this we're all gonna answer this one because this might be the toughest question that's in here this is from anti-law lawyer if uh, you can only re- you can only re-sign one of these players this offseason byron pringle jet mckinnon or daryl williams
2: damn that's a tough one daryl's my guy man like I'm probably yeah, going go to go with Daryl.
1: I'll jump it early, and I'm probably going to go with Daryl. He does a little bit of everything. The yeah. ability to catch the ball at a third down. He's a good special teams player, and I, I, would, I know him a little bit.
2: I, yeah, I would say Daryl, just from a team-building standpoint, and mm-hmm. knowing that Clyde is the guy on the team, I would go Daryl and what he provides. Jet um, would be a good weapon to keep, but if I had to pick one, I'd go Daryl, and Jet can go elsewhere and be a primary guy.
3: I think Jet's price is going up. Um, yeah, I yeah, do. I know. think that, and I think that maybe uh, you could get Daryl. This is probably bad for me to think about it this way. You could probably get Daryl for a little bit less than Jet McKinnon, especially if Jed has a good playoff run. So, um, I think that that Daryl is a guy who's who's been incredibly consistent mm-hmm. uh, at a position that's been not consistent. That's known to, for its yep. inconsistency. Um, so, I think if you bring a guy like that back, it's good. And and all due respect to Byron, man, I just think I just feel like the Chiefs need a refresh at the wide receiver position. I, I don't know why it's just one of those things where just, i i feel like they just need some new blood in there
1: yeah yeah and byron would be the other one jet mckinnon for me it's health like yeah. I, I love as a player not particularly healthy compared to the other two uh pringle i don't know how old he was i know he was older coming out when he went undrafted okay. um but and he's a good returner i mean he's got value there i just think for daryl uh we've had the years where you sign CJ Spiller like every four days because you need to keep bringing in these guys. He knows the blocking schemes. He knows what to do. He's not going to miss a block because he doesn't know what he's doing. And Patrick gets laid out and third down stuff that um, would be that role. If Daryl wasn't here, somebody else is going to step into that third down role. And uh, he's been so good at it that I would go with Daryl. That hurts my heart a little bit as a case stater, but all right, let's go to the next one. This is Bruce in the fort. Did Jeff or Mike ever read the Art Donovan book? If so, what do you recall that made you chuckle?
2: Not that I didn't read it. I didn't read it. Sorry. I didn't either. I didn't Tucker. Maybe I have to read it. All this right. Is the first time I've heard of this book.
1: Me too. So I, I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but I yeah, heard no. that one either. Let me All
2: look right. It up. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> All
1: right, you look that up and we'll go to this next question. We'll have it for Tucker uh ooh, talk, you're gonna have to guess a little bit okay jeff I'll have to chime in with this one too but dsm Derek said what is your favorite way andy has tried to gain an edge over an opponent that you can share yeah de- jeff this is definitely you yeah. um, um okay. for me it's a snow he wrote for me it's a snow game where andy had the grounds crew shovel the opponent side during warm-ups for a slight edge Although I don't know if that was intentional because that would probably yeah. be an end. The NFL would probably <laughs> frown problem. upon that. sort. It's kind of like having heaters on one side. Can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, where have you seen Andy try to get some sort of an advantage, Jeff?
2: I'm trying to think, man. I just, from just from a schematic standpoint, I've seen what we, I remember playing San Diego one year when they were in San Diego. And I remember being in, in the, in the meeting. it was like one of those years where we played them within like three weeks. It was like, we played them, and then played someone else in between and then them falling. And we called a play, and he was like, I'm going to set it up this way because when we play him in week whatever, I'm going to run this. It's going to be a touchdown. And then we fucking did it. I was like, this is amazing. I was like, wow, you did it. And I'm like, I, I that's guess awesome. that's an advantage. That's just being a good football coach. So um, that's he does that all the time, just yeah. different ways. And I and, and I, I kind of complained about when Kelsey threw the touchdown on a Wildcat because I such a great play. We should have held that, but him running that, that means he has he has something up his sleeve that I don't know about. I'm not in those meetings. If he's calling that, he's got a lot left in the magazine. So,
1: I asked a former fullback on the Chiefs a couple years ago <laughs> on a screen game because you have all the iterations of like the same look and play. It's somewhere where like Tyreek runs around in the backfield and does all the things and then you run a screen and you fake it one way, throw it to Kelsey the other way. Mm-hmm. And I asked him how many iterations of that play that you guys had and he said like 15. Yeah, I go, how many of you actually run in a game? He's like three. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The play- just- playbook
2: is so thick, man, so deep. There's so many formations and 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 variations that I mean, it'd leave everyone confused if you if you digested it in one in one one sitting.
1: Yeah if is it it's a lot of window dressing to run a, <laughs> a <Yeah>. counter <laughs> like, it was always raiders because you'd always face the i always know when you'd face a linebacker that you didn't communicate very well because all the pre-snap motions <laughs> like everybody just running all over the place and then well, you see the mic and I know exactly, i'm not gonna say his name so i'm not gonna put him on blast but i know exactly who it was so yeah. every time we faced him everybody's moving around all over the place and, and he's all, like,
2: all honesty all it made the receivers tired because they are moving so much pre-snap. <laughs> it sucked for the skill guys. But he was because he's an offensive line guy, he really yep. does that for us because it really makes the linebacker's pause mm-hmm. for a second think they're not firing downhill, and it gives us an opportunity to get to the second level. So thanks, Andy. You made me look like a way better offensive lineman than I was. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. This next one is from uh, Zuri Gunner. In what quarter do the Chiefs run out of fireworks against the Bills? It's pretty good. Mm. Special shout out to Rob Alberino, Brad Young, Anna Topkin, Kristen Pew, and everybody that runs the Arrow Vision to make Arrowhead Stadium the best home field advantage in the NFL. They all do a phenomenal job, and they're the ones behind all of that. But uh, what do you think, Tucker? When are they going to run out of fireworks?
3: Well, I don't want to put them on blast, but they really shouldn't. Um they they know that like this team is gonna score a whole lot of points, so they should just buy a bunch of fireworks. Um but if you had me and my buddies like to think about this of like what if you had like a finite amount amount of points for like the whole season? Like, how would you allocate it? You don't know how other teams allocate their points. You have a finite number of touchdowns. That's kind of sometimes how we think of it. Like the Bills might have scored too many touchdowns in round one, right? So like they don't have enough touchdowns to score in, against the Chiefs. Um, we're kind of stupid, um, but so I think when you think about that way, uh, fireworks wise, you got to think that you're, you're stocking up for for a forty point game because this game, I think everyone's talking about like the offenses, right? I don't think the defenses are necessarily getting talked about enough, but you could have some defensive scores. Uh, so I think this is going to be kind of a high-scoring game. So uh, let's say that the, they run out of the fireworks uh, early early
2: fourth quarter.
1: Okay. And I should know, but I don't even know how many like touchdown shots they have. I think it's like six.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think they so run five out of or six fireworks. I mean, the way this usually works, especially yeah. in matchups where it's supposed to be an offensive explosion on both sides of the ball yeah. ends up being a defensive battle. Um, so I I'd well, high scoring, but it may end up being one of those type of games. Yeah. And
1: let's not like I know everybody's talking about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, talking about the offenses and just assuming that Mahomes and the offense are going to be great, and that's because we're Chiefs fans. But from the Bills' point of view, they're confident when you look at the stats, there's a reason for it. They're the number one defense in yards given up per game at just 272 yards per play number one defense at Mm -hmm. 4.6 yards per play number one scoring defense only allowing 17 points per game and almost most importantly the number one third down defense at allowing conversions just 30.8 percent of the time so obviously numbers aren't everything but these are something and this is not a middle of the road defense with a great quarterback this is the best Statistically, the best defense in the entire NFL this season that the Chiefs will be going up against. Um,
2: sure. we'll be about trying
1: to get back AFC title game, absolutely. All right, Jeff, let's go with you on this one. This is from Josh Brager. What's one thing you'd wish Andy Reid would improve on after these last few seasons with Patrick Mahomes?
2: Improve on, um. I don't know. I would say they've been doing a good job of it. It's just Patrick having the ability to trust the, the, the integrity of the pocket, the mm-hmm. interior of the pocket. He has three of the best guys in the league now. Um, but you also don't want to mess with him because, I mean, that's what makes him great, him doing those plays outside of the pocket, you know, spinning around, double spin, step up, step back, 70 yards to Tyreek. So do what you do, Patrick, but sometimes you wish that you just step up a little bit. Tucker?
3: Yeah, I think that coming into Kansas City, maybe I I think a lot of people regard Andy Reid's biggest weakness as his time management. Um, And I think he's gotten so much better at that from when he first started in 2013. Um, And we've seen just like some moments of like, whoa, I would have tried to score before halftime, not taking a knee there, Um, stuff like that. But I, I don't think that that's really been a problem um as of late now knock on wood that that not being a problem but yeah i think that like i don't know if there's much that he really maybe deep more deep shots i think that's what we all like to see is patrick mahomes take 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 the top off the defense a little bit more but i think that has to do with how the defenses are playing patrick mahomes more (laughs) than what andy Reid is calling so yeah
1: yeah i and Jeff, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the stuff with like time management is also the system and the processes in place and that who's calling the two minute offense and who's looking at the clock and who's worried about that, that shouldn't all fall on Andy Reed being the head coach. So yeah. I know back when Doug was there that there were times where either Doug or Nags would call like two minute, like they had special, like you've got the two minute that way. Coach Reed can be worried about timeouts or focused on something else. And I know the play calls and all that stuff, it's just, it's a different situation within well, the two minute. Is that fair Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a fair assessment. And if you look at the game copies and you look on the sideline, you always know who call, who's calling the plays. They they mix it up. And it's mm-hmm. always who has the play sheet and they're usually covering your mouth. Last game, EB was primarily calling place. So just pay attention mm-hmm. to that. So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see it.
1: And but, just because Andy Reed, could be calling the plays doesn't mean that the is still not the ones relaying them in yeah. there. Just because he's talking to somebody does yeah, not mean yeah, he's necessarily just, the one just, calling the play.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it, it just depends. Like, it, it, you can tell, though. You can, you if you've been in the building, well, you, you know, yeah, you know, I know exactly. They both, it's the same system, but everyone has a different style. In the yeah.
1: Place. And I, I'd say the one thing that bothers me about Andy Reid is that I want him Googling uh, things and follow me here for a second, everyone. So like last week when we had the tight end through a touchdown, offensive lineman caught a touchdown, and it was like a combination that had never happened in NFL history. And it's like, of all the games that have ever been played, these things never happen. I just like to picture Andy Reid as a guy who sits in his office, 2 o'clock in the morning. He's like, what's something that's never happened in an AFC divisional playoff game? Like, Uh, Oh, "Oh." like left guard throws a touchdown to my quarterback? Like, let's get it in there. Like, I want more of that from Andy Reid, more of the superlatives, so we can be like, he is doing things that have quite literally never been done. Uh, And I want more. of.
2: He brought the jet sweep back into the NFL. And he got yeah. it from watching Mac football. I remember when we started running it in Kansas City, um, we had De- Dexter McCluster. And we're running jet motion and, and giving him the ball. And I'm like, this is crazy. I got it from Tuesday night Mac football. <laughs>
1: well, I know a lot of the, uh, <laughs> this tight end screen stuff came from Matt Canada when he, I think he was at Virginia. It was like yeah. before he even went to LSU. Then he became a hot name. I remember talking nags about that. He's like, we got all that from the college. Like yeah. we're, everybody just takes everything else and what they like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So,
3: all right. Next question, Tucker.
1: How does the Pittsburgh D compare to the Bills D?
3: It doesn't. I know that's probably a lame question, but like, uh, T.J. Watt's good, but I don't think the, that the front, is, the Pittsburgh front, is better than the Bills front. Uh, secondary wise, they've got Micah Hyde, they've got Poyer, uh, who's a Boyer. stud, but like, other than that, their cornerback rooms kind of, uh, kind of thin with with Tredavious White going down, and which. Yep. Uh, stinks when you play a team and you don't have they're not full strength i really wish both of these teams were at full strength so we could so we could see the both of these teams uh potential but it's good for the chiefs that tredavious Weiss is not playing and and matt milano will be back on the field i know that the last few times they haven't played so i think that uh, that's going to be really interesting to see but i, I do think that the bills defense bj you just listed off all of the, the categories at their end they don't really compare yeah. tj watts is a stud he'll be the defensive player of the year but i think that's
1: yeah yeah and then tremaine edmonds the guy that hopefully his name's not called a lot but i love that dude coming out of the draft and there was a scout that was with the chiefs years ago he's not there now he's an area scout uh that coming into that draft said that tremaine edmonds was his num- favorite player in the draft and so not necessarily a chiefs guy that was they were going after nothing like that just the guy that he really really liked um it's the predator like six four middle linebacker who can run uh all right Jeff, this one's for you. You got two questions left. And Jeff, this one is for you. Do players know that this is a quasi AFC championship game? And do you think players think that way and listen to the noise in the playoffs?
2: No. We're just literally worried about winning the next game. So we're like, we're in the moment. We're going to win this, especially in the playoffs. It's one game at a time. You don't even know who you're going to play next. You focus on that one game, you focus on the objective, and that's winning it. And it's a part of the process. So. You're not you're not really looking that far ahead. You're looking at the moment.
1: How much are you watching? So we're recording this before the Titans and the Bengals play. If you were on the Chiefs, how much are you paying attention to that game? And it seems like both Bills and Chiefs fans would be rooting, yeah, for the I'm, Bengals in this I'm one.
2: Definitely, I'm definitely watching it as a player, um, yeah. just to see. I mean, kind of get a, a like a, a jump ahead. You know, not not skipping the game that we're playing, but I'm watching it just to see yeah. what happens. Um, and
1: it's the day obviously- before, so. You guys are at the hotel mm-hmm. the night before the game. So what does the, the day before the game look like schedule-wise?
2: Schedule-wise, so you come in um, probably around 8 a.m., get some mm-hmm. early meetings, do a walkthrough, and you're out the building before, before 11 a.m. And then you don't have to report to the hotel until about 6 p.m. So hmm. you got a little bit of time in between. So they'll probably be at home watching the game. And then yeah. probably around halftime, they'll leave out and head to the hotel probably finish it up there, have some meetings at night, and then catch the back half of a, the later game.
1: And it will always be very consistent. That's <laughs> yeah. the one
2: thing I always knew. If uh, <laughs> You travel,
1: no matter what it is, it was going to be the exact same. I knew we would get to the opposing team hotel on the road at 4 o'clock local time. <laughs> Every single time. It was 4 o'clock is when we got to the hotel. All right, last question and uh, good. It's from Grayson Jaspers, another friend of KCSN. Are the, and we've been talking about this the whole time, but are the Bills better or worse since we faced them in week five? Hmm. Tucker, let's have you go first.
3: That's a really good question. Um, I think the defense has gotten a little bit worse. Losing Tredavious White, again, is, is huge yeah. uh, for them. That dude's a stud. Um, but their defense is still, you know, you mentioned the number one defense. Um, and they lost their best player. So I think that that's just kind of just tells you how good they were before. Uh, offensively, I think Josh Allen has kind of evolved uh, – as the year has gone on and and maybe devolved in some points too. It's it's, he's had a weird up and down year of like, he plays really good. And then the next game, he's not very good at all. Uh, So I think that that's going to kind of uh, come in, come into play with that. So uh, that's that's what I'm thinking about it I, I think they are a little bit worse overall and I think the Chiefs are a little bit better than than what the, than when they played the Bills the Chiefs had a lot of injuries the first time they played I look, went back and looked yeah. at like the inactive report and like I looked at like who was injured I was like oh my gosh this Chiefs team done, <laughs> the team that took the field doesn't even look like the Chiefs now and I think that's gonna be a big be a big factor in this game
2: I agree great take <laughs> <laughs> That's That's not, that was a really great take like, I mean I think Buffalo is um, they are different um, but I would say they they're still a really damn good football team um, yeah. Yeah. but at the time week five they looked like the best football team in the national football league to me personally yeah and and I, don't, gonna, I don't feel like that anymore so
1: I'll be a little different and I'll say that I think they're better just from a confident standpoint I think beating yeah. the Patriots the way that they mm-hmm. did uh, got that monkey off their back in some kind of way or and I don't know cliche kind of how to describe that but i don't want to say it'll be a letdown because you want to ride that momentum but i do feel like they probably have a level of confidence going into this playoff game at arrowhead that they wouldn't have had week five that they feel like they needed to prove that they could do it they did it and now they're going to be that confident team because they did beat us and we can sit yeah. here and make excuses saying this i wasn't here that guy wasn't here well, i don't necessarily think players necessarily think like it's not like josh allen sitting back being like yeah we beat him but they didn't have this guy this guy and this guy like
2: yeah, I agree. That's a good take. Um, I would say I would say they, they have more confidence and more of a chip. Um, one, because they beat us in week five like that, but more so because of the loss last year, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the, the, the championship. That was a big one. That was one of those ones where they had to give them the hump. So they, they're really looking at this like we have to get over this hump. Uh, this is going to be our roadblock for as long as Patrick Mahomes is playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's going to be a big one, man.
1: Yep. Yeah, and we're excited to see it all come to fruition. And again, we will be going live at halftime during the game on all the KC Sports Network channels, and obviously we have our KCSN live post game show from the Kingdom Bar and Grill in Overland Park, breaking it all down. Hopefully, talking about an AFC title game back at Arrowhead if the Cincinnati Bengals can take care of business, but again, uh, make sure you are subscribed and that you are following all of our channels and everything at Casey sports network. Cause we'll continue to break down all the latest news and updates leading into that game. We appreciate you for being part of your Saturday or Sunday with us leading into this game, but we will see you next time. Go chiefs. Hopefully we'll see you after the game. Talking about a dub. We'll see you guys.